We're studying from 1 John 3, and it gives us this great verse uh, that is so beautiful, and, and I love to quote it. But a lot of times, maybe we, we miss the mark on the last part of this passage, but it, it tells us about what we have now and, and where we are now. It says, Behold, what manner of love it is to be called a child of God. And isn't that a blessing to know that you are a child of the Most High God, that God loves you, He cares for you. You are His child. Think about how audacious that is. Whose child are you? You're God's child. And sometimes we can become discontent with where we are. And that gets into the next verse, in verse 2, where it says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what shall be. You see, right now, we're in a not yet kind of place. We know that we're the children of God, but God hasn't revealed everything to us because the plan is still unfolding. There's still progress to be made here on earth. There's still work to be done here on earth. And that God, in His time and in His season, will reveal His eternal purposes for all of us. And it says, when He is revealed, speaking of Christ, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. You see, right now, we're in that not yet place, aren't we? And in this not yet place, we need to make progress. Isn't progress hard to predict? First of all, when you think about the the progress of man, how far we have come as a civilization... We can get pretty prideful about how smart human beings are and about how far we've come. But we haven't always been able to predict where we're going in this this thing, have we? I'm reminded of a story. Back in the 1800s, people would talk about this subject and this question, will man be able to fly? And for people in the 1800s, This was a far-fetched idea. We have been living on this planet for how many years and we haven't been able to fly. So what now is going to change the situation? And there was this religious meeting in 1870 and a bishop was up and he, he was quoted and he says, the millennium is at hand and man has invented everything that can be invented. Don't you ever think that that, that's where we are now? It's like, what more can we come up with? I remember talking to my dad, who was born in 1935, who didn't have electricity or running water in the house. And I would ask him, I said, Dad, what what would you think if I would have brought some of the stuff back from in the modern age to you as a kid? He's like, man, it would have blown my mind. How far we've come. 
progress. And so man, when they got this idea of flying, this bishop, he says, and the guy says, well, I think in 50 years we're going to be able to fly to the bishop. And the bishop responded, he says, that's blasphemy. Don't you know that flight is reserved for birds and angels? That was in 1870. It's interesting what his name was. His name was Bishop Milton Wright. Milton Wright, who had two sons by the name of Wilbur and Orville Wright, who in in December 17, 1903, recorded the first human flight in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. They achieved something that their father could not even begin to to comprehend, not only for his kids. His sons would be the ones to achieve first human flight, but he couldn't see it for anyone. Human progress is hard to predict, and we think that we have come so far, don't we? Well, you can answer any question for me right now because you got a smartphone, can't you? We're all so smart because we can Google anything that we want. You can't find a verse? Google it. You want to find out about medicine? Google it. It'll scare you. Think about the technology. The smartphone itself is more technology than NASA had to send a man to the moon, which we were able to achieve just 70 years less than when man began to fly. Think about how far we've come. Now we're talking about driverless cars. How does that make you feel? It's bad enough with the drivers we got in them. I can't imagine what it's going to be like when we don't have anybody driving them. We've come so far. We're making progress, right? We don't even have to drive cars anymore. Or medically, we've come up with vaccinations Vaccinations, antibiotics, treatments, and surgery. We, we cure stuff all the time. We're making headway in all kinds of different diseases. Human progress. We're making it, aren't we? Transportation. You can fly to another country. Or even economics. You know, as soon as the economy starts to tick down, somebody somewhere pushes a button, and the economy kind of surges back up. We don't want it to get too bad. Somebody controls it. We're so progressive. We're so modern. Edison said of progress, he says, restlessness is is discontent, and discontent is the first necessity of progress. Show me a thoroughly satisfied man, and I will show you a failure. So how does progress happen? It's by being unsatisfied with the way things are. Being discontent. And we have been discontent for a long time. We can warm up our food in two minutes in a microwave because we don't want to wait. We're progressive, aren't we? But for all of our scientific progress, which we can pat ourselves on the back, where are we morally? Where are we morally? 
Have we progressed at the same rate as we have technologically? Have we progressed at the same rate we have medically? How are we morally? One person wrote it like this, we are drowning in information, you've probably seen this quote, while starving for wisdom. We've got every piece of information at our fingertips, but we don't even know how to use it anymore. We're at a loss when it comes to wisdom, how to use this information. What have we done with poverty? Is poverty still around? Is racism still around? Is sexism still around in the workplace? Are women getting paid what they should? 80 cents to the dollar for a man is what they say. Or what about for all of the connections that we have, social media, internet, phone conversations, even the U.S. Postal Service? Are people still lonely? Loneliness. Think about who do you trust? Who do you trust these days? Do you trust your bank? Do you trust the government? Do you trust Congress? Do you trust a preacher? No, trust has been disintegrating, hasn't it? We don't trust anybody anymore. You get your news from wherever you get your news, and I'll get my news wherever I get mine. We don't trust anybody. How are we doing morally? Is that progress? I don't know. What about the loss of meaning and the confusion that this world is in? We don't even know how to define the most basic of definitions anymore. It gets to my point that is maybe we need to rediscover where spiritual progress comes from. That is as progressive as we think we are, maybe we have lost something that we used to have. And this happened in the days of Josiah the king. Josiah in the land of Judah. And there was this wicked, wicked king named Manasseh. And he brought idolatry into the land of Judah. And no one knew the law anymore. No one knew the Word of God anymore. And it gives us this story in 2 Kings chapter 22. And I want you to listen to this story because Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. And Shaphan, the scribe, went to the king, bringing the king's word, saying, Your servants have gathered the money that was found in the house, and they have delivered it into the hands of those who do the work and who oversee the house of the Lord. And Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the book of the law that he tore his clothes. Why did he tear his clothes? It's because when he looked into his land, when he looked into his country, when he looked at the people he served as king, 
He saw that they weren't keeping the book of the law. That they had lost spiritual progress. And as a result, they had built up false idols. And they were superstitious. And they were praying to all these things that were lies. There were idols everywhere. And he read from the book and he saw, this isn't the way God intended this to be. Now, if we spend time in God's Word, I guarantee it, I don't know if you'll tear your clothes, but it might bring you to tears to see where we are morally today. It says of Josiah the king, Now before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his might, according to all the law of the Moses. Nor after him did any arise like him. He heard the words of the book and he began to change the country in which he lived in. It says that he began to cleanse the land of all of these idols. All these idols that they had created. When we start looking at our own country, we have received a covenant from Christ. Our own book of the covenant. Jesus said on the night in which he was betrayed, he said, This is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for the remission of sins. We are in a new covenant. And so we look at Jesus sometimes and we say, He's a guy that's in the past. Right? But the Bible says that Jesus is more than just a person that's in the past. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That He's not just some long-lost sage from generations ago. No, that Jesus is the same today as He was 2,000 years ago. In fact, Revelation says that He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and end. He who was, who is, and who is to come. So I've got news for you today. That Jesus is the most progressive thing going. That if you want true, spiritual, moral progress, we have to look to Jesus for that. He is the man not only from the past, not only for today, but He is the man of the future. It says, it has not been revealed as it will be. We will be as He is. He is progress. So here's the interesting thing is that the practice of primitive Christianity is the most progressive thing you can do. How do we do that? Number one, we have to have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians says it like this, For who has known the mind of the Lord that He may instruct Him? But we have the mind of Christ. If you want to be progressive... You have to have the mind of Christ. Philippians gives us that mind. Listen to it. Philippians 2, verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Do you want the mind of Christ? Do you want the mind of progress? Here is the mind of progress. Who being in the form of God. Who is he talking about? Jesus, who was in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a servant 
and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even unto the death of the cross. What does it say of Jesus? Jesus made himself of no reputation. He didn't care what everybody thought about him. That wasn't his goal, was to be elected to anything. Popularity contest, isn't that what we're engaged in? Who's the most popular today? Jesus wasn't in that. It says he came to make himself of no reputation. It says that he came as a servant. That he came and humbled himself and became obedient. That is the mind of Christ. And if we want to be truly progressive, we need to be humble. If God Himself became humble in the person of Jesus Christ, how much more should I be humble? But yet so many people go around acting much different, don't they? If we're going to be progressive, we need the mind of Christ. We, number two, need the mission of Christ. What was the mission of Jesus? Listen to what Jesus Himself said in Luke 4.18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the Gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Did you hear that mission? It is a liberating mission we as Christ church are to liberate those around us to set free from sin Jesus said and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free and so many people have a false sense of freedom because when they come to church and they read the Bible they say that's not freedom because God's asking me to do something that's obligation I want to be free from the Ten Commandments. I want to be free from coming to church. I want to be free from having to love my neighbor. I want to be free of that. But as one person once said, man is born free, but in every, everywhere you see him, he's in chains. And there's a big difference. There is a freedom from, and there is a freedom to. Sometimes my daughter likes to play the violin. We see people who are really good on TV and she says, I can do that. I'm better than them. Well, not quite, honey. We'll try to keep encouraging you. Freedom too. If she's ever to play a piece written by Bach or Beethoven or Mozart, she can say, I'm free not to practice. But will she be ever free to play that beautiful song? You see, sometimes we mix up what freedom really is. We, we, get, the, we get, the, get it confused because we want to be free from things and we don't realize that we're robbing ourselves of being free to do things. Just like many times in my life as a minister, I see people who've enslaved themselves so much that their health has been wrecked by what they've done to themselves. They were free from whatever they wanted to do, any constraints. 
But they weren't, now they're not free to do anything. Freedom from and freedom to, we have, through Jesus' teachings, what discipleship is. And discipleship is learning God's boundaries for my life. And when I pursue those boundaries in my life, not only do I become free from sin, but I become free to do something. I am free to do His will. I am free to actually actualize myself in His kingdom. And our job is to free others. And it's also to help others that are around us. That passage of judgment, Matthew 25, 35, When I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. That's the mission of Jesus. And that's the kind of progress this world needs, isn't it? That's the kind of progress this church needs, isn't it? That's progress. That's bringing the kingdom to earth and the earth to the kingdom. But if we're going to have the mind of Christ, the mission of Christ, we need the doctrine of Christ. We need to teach what Jesus taught. We need to teach what His apostles taught. And in 1 John 3, 3, it says, And everyone who has this hope purifies himself. And what Josiah did is that he began to purify the land of those idols. And I need to purify myself in the sight of God. And we purify ourselves through the teachings of Jesus morally, spiritually, and religiously. And we get rid of the idols of our life. People have idols. People worship themselves. That's the first idol that has to go. Because people make themselves the arbiters of God's or of their own lives. Who do you answer to? I answer to myself. That's self-deification. That's making yourself God. That idol has to go. Or we idolize rationality. Well, I can think my way out of this. I think this is good. They think it's good. Pleasure, greed, pride. We have to purify ourselves of this through the teachings of Christ. Jesus and Paul write in Galatians 6.19, the works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelry. Did I leave anybody out? Because I had a couple of those in my life. But I have to purify myself in the teachings of Jesus and free myself from that through His teaching, through the doctrine of Christ. And if we teach the doctrine of Christ, we teach God's Word because this is our assured connection to Jesus is His Word. You want to be connected to Jesus, it's His Word. That is our assured connection. Not what I say. Not what some smart person in a university says. But what does God say? Paul says they should teach no other doctrine. We should teach that here. The doctrine of Christ. The teaching of Jesus. And if we do that, if we have the mind of Christ, if we have the mission of Christ, if we have the doctrine of Christ, then we will have the destiny of Christ. 
going back to that verse, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Who will transform, it says in Philippians, our lowly body that it may conform to His glorious body and according to the working by which He is able to subdue all things unto Himself. And if you want to see progress, if you're prepared for the day in which Christ comes, when these lowly bodies are transformed into His spiritual body, that will be the greatest progress ever known to humanity. You know, a bishop couldn't believe what his own sons would eventually accomplish in human flight. We should not doubt what God's Son, Jesus, has achieved and has promised in the progress of man. Sometimes going back is going forward. Sometimes looking back to what God has given us is going forward. And isn't that what repentance is? Turning from my way and turning to God. This morning, if you're not a Christian, the Bible says that God loves you so much that He gave His only begotten Son so that you might live. And He said that if we will believe in Him, if we believe in His words, if we repent of sin, confess Him to be the Son of God, and if we're immersed, we become a part of that body, the church. Or maybe you have lost your way and need prayers of encouragement or healing. We want to sing this next song to encourage you. And so if you have any need today, won't you come now as together we stand and as we sing.